Well, thank you very much for being here this evening on a Monday evening. And a week like this, it is really encouraging to see so many folks uh, come out for a period of singing together and praying together and studying from the Word together. I've been greatly encouraged by the opportunity to be here with the Oak, Oak Mountain Church and to <clears throat> have the opportunity to share together in the good things that characterize this group here. There, there's something to be said for God's people finding one another and spending time together and strengthening one, one another's hearts and strengthening each other in faith. We, we live in a world that is fraught with uh, a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. We are challenged in uh, many ways. We, we are living in some strange times right now. It is refreshing to spend a little time at the end of the day with those who share with us a common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Drinking from the sweet waters of the oasis. I'm glad that you're here tonight. You've been a great encouragement to me. I've enjoyed so much the time uh, spent with Bob and this, this week, he and I have had the occasion to talk a lot about <clears throat> things that we share in common and things that uh, our experiences through the years in, in the faith and folks that have touched our lives. And I, I would tell you, for those of us who preach the gospel, there, there are folks here who regularly touch the lives of folks like us, of those who preach the gospel. And you make a difference in our lives. And you help us. And uh, you lift us up at times in ways that you don't even understand. And we appreciate you for that. And we love you for that. And your presence here tonight is a great encouragement to me. And I thank you for that. I appreciate you coming very, very much. Tonight I want to talk about unity based on truth. We're going to be... In the book of Galatians, if you have your New Testament with you, uh, we'll be looking primarily at Galatians chapter uh, 2 <clears throat> tonight. The religious world in which we live is, uh, is challenging us maybe in some ways that, uh, that were unanticipated not so many years ago. One of, one of the great ways we are being challenged among ourselves now is that we, we are living in a culture that has simply lost its concept of truth, or what truth is all about, whether or not there is truth, uh, whether or not truth is discoverable, or whether or not we all see truth the same way or we all have the same truth. I, I have to tell you, there are times that when I hear things that just short-circuit my little brain when somebody says something like, well, that may be your truth, but that's not my truth. I want to tell you, that, that, just, that does not compute with me. Because one of the givens, it seems, in the culture in which we live is that this concept of there being an objective truth 
Or, or the concept that absolute truth exists is, is something that is foreign to, to the thinking of many, many people in our culture. I, I am not so surprised that the world thinks like the world. I'll tell you what is troubling to me, folks. It's when I hear Christians who are beginning to parrot some of that same vernacular and some of that same ideology that, that, that is saying my truth, your truth, our truth. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you, we're living in very strange times. The, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, he said, I marvel... I, I am absolutely amazed. I, I'm in Galatians 1 and verse 6. I, I am amazed that you are so quickly removing from him that called you in the grace of Christ unto a different gospel. That is not another gospel at all. Only there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Though we are an angel from heaven, should preach unto you any gospel other than that which we preached unto you, let him be anathema. As we have said before, I say again, if any man preaches unto you any gospel other than that which you received, let him be anathema. Wow. What, what, what's going on? Paul is saying as he's writing to these Christians in the churches of Galatia, I, I'm absolutely astounded. I, I'm astounded that you have so quickly left the gospel that we brought to you. And Paul is making it very clear that there is one gospel and they need to come back to it. And if anybody offers them anything other than that one true gospel, they need to turn away from that. And Paul said, I don't care who it is. If it's not the gospel that you received in the beginning, the gospel that came from Jesus Christ then you turn away from it. Now, there, there were those. There were those who were thinking, well, <clears throat> you know, the, the problem here is that, is that Peter had, had one gospel for the Jews and Paul had another gospel for, for the Gentiles and, and they, they really weren't the same Gospel and here in Jerusalem and in other, we're hanging on to the we're hanging on to the Jewish gospel. We're hanging on to Peter's gospel. We're hanging on to Paul's. And Paul said that that's not the way it is. There is one gospel. There's always been one gospel. There is only one gospel, and you need to wrap your mind and your heart around it. And, and I want to tell you something. Paul said, "We're, we're not preaching." Two different things. Truth is important. Christians, of, of all people, uh, should be the first to acknowledge that truth exists. What is it that Jesus prayed uh, to his Father? Sanctify them in thy truth. What's the rest of that? Thy word is truth. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if I can pause here and digress for just one minute, I just want to make an observation. I strongly fear that one of the reasons so many congregations and so many Christians are are struggling and wandering, wandering in all kinds of directions. And one of the reasons we're saying strange things about my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth, is because we have gotten away from the truth, which is the word of God. And I'll tell you, there is no greater challenge that any congregation has, and no greater challenge that any eldership has, and no greater challenge that any any teaching program has in a local church than that of imparting the Word of God into the minds and the hearts of our children. And somebody says, I'll tell you what we need. We need to get our, our young people together and we need to talk to them about the things that are troubling them and on their heart. Let me suggest something to you. We need to teach our young people the word of the living God. And then we need to show them the relevance of that word as it pertains to the issues that are troubling them today. But the foundation of the entire discussion is the Word of God. Truth is important because truth is what separates saved people from those who are yet lost in darkness. And the, and the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10, That those who do not love truth are not going to have truth. And God will see to it. If you do not love truth, you are not desirous of truth, you are not hungering and thirsting after truth, then God is not going to trouble you by causing you to accidentally burden your life with truth. People do not accidentally fall into truth. They find truth because they're seeking after truth. Because they're seeking after truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. To his disciples, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that is true, ladies and gentlemen, but listen to me carefully. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But listen to me, but it will hurt you first. It will pierce you to the depth of your heart. Truth is important. And the Apostle Paul reminded Timothy in Ephesus... That that one of the basic responsibilities of the local church is to be the pillar and ground of truth. If there is any any function uh, that the church is going to serve in the world of darkness in which we live, if there's any function that you're going to have uh, among the people who, uh, who comprise this group, if there is any function you're going to have in helping families live for the Lord, it is first and foremost 
that you are going to give them a foundation of truth on which to build their lives, on which to grow their families, on which to teach others and bring them to salvation in the Lord. We're we're living in in a time that's very hard for those who believe in truth. In the days of the emerging church, they tell us, the days of postmodern thinking, there was modernism, now we're in postmodernism. And I'll tell you something, for, for all that might have been said about the challenges of modernism, at least, at least in modernism, people said, well, you know, there's truth, but you just can't get... To, you just can't get to it. You just can't know. You just can't be sure. And postmodern thinking people say, well, there's really, there's really no truth. I mean, you, you, you have something that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. The emerging church comes along and it tells us that the concept of truth is something that's very fuzzy. It's very hazy. It's, it's indistinct. It's, it's uncertain. You, you, you just can't speak in absolute terms of right and wrong and black and white and righteousness and sin. You just can't talk that way anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me carefully. God's people had better talk that way because that's the way God talks and, and when someone when, when someone is trying to tell me that, that there's really uh, there's really no way to see truth that, that person is, is not is, is not insulting my name or my character or my intelligence. That person is taking issue with the word of the living God. And that's something that's far more serious. Now, it may well be true that I, that I, I, I may not have embraced the truth of God on a particular subject. That may well be true. But ladies and gentlemen, that's a far cry from saying there's no such thing as the truth of God on that. There's a big difference. A big difference. The Apostle Paul is trying to say to these folks, look, it is not true that the Apostle Peter was preaching the gospel of Christ to the Jews. And then I, Paul, I I came along and I decided to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and I'm teaching them about salvation. But it's it's a different truth than what you Jews have. No, that's not what's going on. There were false teachers among them who were saying that really... Peter and Paul are working against each other. They're contradicting one another. They're not saying the same thing. Uh, That Paul was preaching a a different 
gospel. And, and Paul is saying, that's not the case at all. Let, let me tell you something in Galatians 2, beginning in verse 1. After the space of 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus also with me. And I went up by revelation, and I laid before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But privately before them that were of repute, lest by any means I should be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of the false brethren privately brought in, who came in to privately spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place in the way of subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who were reputed to be somewhat... Whatever they were, it makes no matter to me. God does not accept a man's person. They, I say, who were of repute, imparted nothing to me. But contrariwise, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel of the uncircumcision, just like Peter had been entrusted with the gospel of the circumcision, for he that wrought for Peter unto the apostleship of the circumcision, wrought for me also unto the Gentiles, And when they perceived the grace that was given unto me, James and Cephas and John, those who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the Gentiles, and they would go unto the circumcision, only that we would remember the poor, which very thing I was also zealous to do. Paul said, let me say something to you. You, you, are, you are suggesting that Peter is not preaching the same gospel that I am preaching, that I am not preaching the same gospel as Peter, that we are working against each other. I went to Jerusalem where there was Peter and James and, and John. And I want to tell you something. He said, I had Titus with me, who is a Greek who is uncircumcised. Number one, they did not compel him to be circumcised. Number two, they gave to us the right hand of fellowship. Number three, they endorsed the gospel that I am preaching as the gospel of Jesus Christ. My teaching was affirmed, Paul said. And the apostles in Jerusalem did not add anything to it. And the pillars in the church did not compel Titus to be circumcised. They gave to me and to Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Paul said, I I am saying to you regarding those who were saying to us, you must be circumcised in order to be saved. We We didn't give in to that, not for a moment. So that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. Two things I want to say to you about the Apostle Paul as it pertained to truth. Number one, the Apostle Paul had backbone. And by that I mean that he was willing to stand up and plant his feet firmly on principles of truth 
And he was willing to stand there in the face of opposition that was coming from those who saw themselves as being somewhat among brethren. And he was willing to stand there and defend the truth of the gospel, which was being contradicted by those who were insisting that circumcision was essential to one's salvation in Christ. And and Paul was making it clear unequivocally clear that when it comes to the truth of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, there is no room for compromise. There's no room for compromise when it comes to the truth of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no room for compromise in the saving gospel of Christ. It may have been easier for the moment to satisfy to satisfy the group to just say, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's just tell them to be circumcised. I mean, it won't hurt anything to be... Just to tell them that, it's not wrong to be circumcised. Just go ahead and tell them that, it'll solve the problem. It wasn't a matter of solving the problem. It wasn't a matter of calming the water. It was the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel was at stake. And that's what Paul was concerned about. I'm saying to you tonight, we've got to learn this lesson in our generation. And our children must learn this lesson. It is not unloving and it is not unbiblical to stand up for truth why do I say that because we're living in a culture That is doing its best to condition an entire generation to think. That if you take a bold stand for a conviction of truth. That somehow that makes you a bad person. That that makes you an unloving person. That that makes you an unbiblical person. That you're just just nothing like what, what, what Christians are supposed to be like. And I'm saying to you, I I don't know what Bible they're reading, but that's not what I read in my Bible. The Apostle Paul bowed his back and he planted his feet in the truth of the gospel. And he would not compromise where the gospel was concerned. And it's not because Paul was unloving. And it's certainly not because he was unbiblical. The spiritual hot potato of their day was circumcision. For the Jews, that, that was just a given. That if you were going to be part of a covenant relationship with God, you were going to bear the sign of the covenant in the flesh. And after all, they were circumcised on the eighth day, so it, it was a given. That they already had a head start regarding their covenant relationship with God. And if the Gentiles wanted to be... I mean, first of all, how many miracles did it take for Peter to see those unclean animals over and over again? And, and, and God is saying, take and eat. 
And Peter's arguing with God and he's saying, I'm not eating these unclean animals. And God said, don't you call unclean what I have called clean. You need to rearrange your thinking. And while Peter was wondering what that meant, they were knocking on the door from the household of Cornelius saying, we were told to come here and fetch one Simon, whose surname is Peter from Joppa, and, and come to the house of Cornelius so that we can hear words whereby we might be saved. And Peter understood. The gospel's for the Gentiles too. Is it necessary to be circumcised in order to be saved? I mean, is all this fussing about circumcision really necessary? The problem here is that there were those who had taken the revealed Word of God and they were changing it. They were changing it. And in this case, they were making it say something that it did not say. And then they were binding on people something that God did not bind. And they were making as a salvation issue something that God clearly had not made as a salvation issue. Can't we all just hold hands and get along? Can't we all just be circumcised and and then there won't be any trouble? And and Paul's, Paul's response to that is, I don't have a problem with being circumcised. The problem is when you say circumcision is necessary to the salvation of a soul, you've added something to the truth. You've added something to the gospel that is not there. That is the problem. And that's what I'm going to have no part of. Four things I want to say to you tonight. Number one, as it, as it pertains to this matter of unity and truth. Number one, if we're going to have spiritual unity, it must be based on spiritual truth. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no other kind of spiritual unity except that which is based on spiritual truth. This is the message that we have heard from Him and we announce unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Paul said, I I, I want us to be unified on this. But but the way to unity here is not by one team making a lot of noise and making a lot of threats and trying to intimidate people and, and bring them into compliance. That's not biblical unity. Spiritual unity, biblical unity is achieved when we are standing together in spiritual truth.
believing the same word, serving the same God, doing the same things. Here's our problem. We're living right now in a touchy-feely culture that values emotion above reason and that values tolerance above truth. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. Your children and your grandchildren are going to be challenged with this in ways that I think our generation never even imagined. And one of the frustrations of the pulpit and the lectern and the Bible class environment is that we open the word and we begin with, thus saith the Lord. And before we can finish reading the text, someone is telling us, well, I just feel like You, you feel like what? We're talking about truth. I, I just feel in my heart that we're, we're talking about objective truth. And you're responding with subjective feeling. We're not in the same galaxy here. We're not speaking the same language. Somebody says, we're not on the same page. We're not in the same ballpark. And people say, well, I'll tell you right now, we, we, we need to learn to accept one another. Judge not that you be not judged. That's another sermon. We don't have time for that. But let me, let me say this to you. Jesus hardly got those words out of his mouth before he immediately followed with, don't give that which is holy unto the dogs. Let me just give you a little clue. You have to make a judgment about who the dogs are before you can follow that command. Jesus also was the one who said something about not judging by appearance, but judging according to righteous judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, our children and our grandchildren are being culturally conditioned to dismiss objective truth. I want to tell you something. Apart from objective truth, there is no Christianity. Apart from objective truth, there is no Christ. And apart from Christ, there is no salvation. There is no hope. Secondly, I want to say to you tonight, we don't do lost people any favors by obscuring spiritual truth. Somebody says, oh, well, you're just, you're just too, you're, you're just too candid. You're too, you're, you're too bold. You, you, you're just presenting everything like it's, uh, that's the only way.
Yeah, let me, let me say something to you. There, there is a time, there's a time to be careful and gentle. And there's a time to move slowly and methodically. But according to my Bible, there is a time to speak plainly and candidly regarding truth. And when Nathan went to David with the truth of God regarding his spiritual condition, he didn't say, you know, David, there there are people in the world that just... Well, let's just say they don't always do right. You know what I'm saying? He said, David, there was a rich man who took the poor man's only little ewe lamb and used it for himself. What do you think about that? And David said, the man that has done that is worthy to die. And Nathan said, thou art the man. There's the truth. You are the man. This truth applies to you. And I'm saying to you tonight that there is a time when holy men and women of God must plainly and candidly speak truth. The third thing I would say to you tonight is this. Those who change the gospel are the true threats to the unity of God's people. I I weary of folks who are coming along today, especially those who claim to have been among us and now have seen the light and uh, are just seeing themselves as being so much more loving and caring and, and pursuing unity and, and, and leaving the impression, if not overtly saying, that, that, somehow, that somehow those who are, who are preaching and proclaiming the, the unity of the doctrine of Christ, somehow the problem is there. Let, let me say something to you. The unity of God in Christ is based on spiritual truth. It is those who are departing from the truth and changing the truth and changing the gospel and, 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 and intertwining within the gospel this subjective feeling and touch, uh, thinking and, and, and this uh, uh, sensational emotional reactions and responses of, of men and women. That's where the unity is being destroyed. To the elders, the Apostle Paul said, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Spirit hath made you bishops, that you feed the church of the Lord which he purchased with his own blood. Because I know that after my departing, grievous wolves are going to enter in among you, among yourselves. 
not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, men are going to arise, listen to this next phrase, speaking perverse things. And they're going to draw away disciples after them. I want to tell you something. People say, well, aren't you afraid of all of, those, uh, all of those false religions out there and the things they are teaching and the things they are doing? And uh, Listen, I have a healthy respect for the damage that can be done by all of that. But I'll tell you right now, the biggest danger we face is not out there. The ones with the most potential to do damage are, are those who are among us. It's, well, I, I've seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. We, we are the ones who have the most potential for biting and devouring ourselves. We, we are the ones. We're the ones we ought to be concerned about the most. We are the ones who have the most influence over one another. And the Apostle Paul said, you had better give strict attention to the teaching that is being done because those who change the gospel are going to draw away disciples. It is 2,000 years removed from the first century. It still works the same way. The same way. And finally, let me say to you, (laughs) what Paul was trying to say to those Christians in the churches of Galatia, is the the gospel is for everybody. The the gospel is for all. Is, Is it for the Jews? Yes, it's for the Jews. Guess what? It's also for the Gentiles. And the truth of the gospel applies equally to everybody. Equally. To everybody. And so then he tells us when Peter first came to Antioch, that first Gentile church, when Peter first came there, Paul said, I want to tell you something. I resisted him to the face. Why? Because he stood condemned. Before this certain came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. When they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews dissembled likewise with him. Even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Cephas before all of them, if you being a Jew... Livest as do the Gentiles, not as do the Jews. How do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Paul said, let me tell you something. The truth of the gospel applies equally across the board. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel. Let him be a curse. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say something to you tonight. No serious disciple of Jesus Christ 
can casually dismiss or overlook the prayer for unity that our Lord prayed. He wants us to be one. He he wants us to be one even as He and the Father are one. But it was in that same prayer that Jesus prayed, sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. One of the challenges that our children and grandchildren will face is that challenge that 2,000 years ago the Apostle Paul faced as he was being made to, to be, in appearance, the, the bad guy. <laughs> Paul said, this isn't about good guys and bad guys. This is about truth and non-truth. And our children and grandchildren, as they pursue unity with others who are seeking after spiritual life, they need to understand the essential need to be rooted and grounded in truth as they extend their hands to others. And and I'll tell you what God's people have in common as we have come here together tonight. We unite our voices together and we sing praise to God. Unified in our worship. We bow our hearts in prayer, unified in spirit as we are lifting up our petitions and our thanksgiving. And we open up this book with a common conviction that we're learning, we're studying, we're growing. We may not all be in the same place, but one thing we do understand. God's word is truth and our commitment is right here. And our desire is to stand hand in hand with those who stand here. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, our, our, our plea for you tonight is that this very night, you would open your heart in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and with penitence, you would come to Him.
to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to be born anew into his family. If you are a child of God and you have left the Lord, our prayer for you is that you would come back in truth to the God who gave us the living truth. Won't you come while we stand and sing?